This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hey everybody, welcome to the last pull-up Trey podcast before the draft. Um, it's with Trey, of course, he pulls up. That's the namesake of the podcast. It's Trevon Heath, it's Samson Folk. We talk about basketball. And uh, for anybody who's listening to this, you can come hang out with us at a live draft party. Raptors Republic is hosting it. And uh, we're doing a live, well, I'm doing a live podcast from there where I talk to uh, fans of the team, listeners of the podcast, and you can have a chance to have your voice heard on the sound waves, radio waves, etc. Trey, you'll be there, I'll be there, but how are you doing today in your I'm, domicile? I'm good. I, I had a really good weekend, as you know. Um, <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to seeing all the autographs, all the babies that you kiss tomorrow. Listen, man, <laughs> July 2nd. We're going to start off this podcast just as a heads up. We have our, our dear friend Goose who does some some draft work of his own in addition to his you know adult regular job. But um, we're talking with him in a little bit. But we have to do a personal interest story. I have to mention to the people something happened this weekend. It was... Uh, it's been weeks building up in advance because we're going to race. And I said, oh, easy. I like I was maybe honest with everybody. I was talking a lot of shit, like a lot of shit. And uh, Trey, do you want to tell the rest of the story? It was all a blur. So <laughs> you were a blur, Doug. <laughs> so Samson challenges me to a race. I wasn't prepared. I was kind of a little oh, nervous. A little nervous. <laughs> baseline baseline to baseline we we start off the race he him thinking i'm not that fast gets off to a little i didn't bit of, i didn't think you were i didn't think you'd be fast <laughs> he gets off to a little bit of a slower start thinking well okay wait 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 anybody wants to ask lewis was the man watching the line yes. you had a false start oh no 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 wait 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 hey hey i talked a lot i said i was going to dust you it was a false start, but the way I was talking, I should have beat you by like a, a mile. No, oh, and I didn't catch up. I didn't catch you. up. Like, what did you, what did you expect? I I expected to win, I, and that's why that's why I was so confident. So it had such a big ego about it. When you got the false start, I thought this is fine. I'll pass him, and then you were going, and I just kept seeing the back of you, and I was like, I'm not catching up. I started breathing a little harder. I was like, oh, this is bad. I seen the stride length, man. I seen like, I was like, wow. And to the listener, to the viewer, Trey told me, he warned me. He sent the Jamaican flag in chat like six times. He told me, <laughs> I underestimated him. July 2nd though, Trey, Don't I'm worry. coming for you. <laughs> I'm, dude, I've been practicing July 2nd, Rocky versus Apollo Creed in the sand. Me and you, buddy. Flying I have no qualms, but this is going to be recorded, by the way. I'm gonna I'm gonna show him the best athlete. Strength, speed, agility, doesn't matter. I'm gonna come up on top. For everyone who listens, if you don't Trey is a large man. He's like six four. He's athletic. He's handsome. He's everything. He's the modern man. But I'll say this much. We're here to talk draft. Here with us. Hoop goose. Hey, hey. or <laughs> uh we we need your your background on the do you vividly remember me talking any manner of trash about this this race we discussed i do not remember any trash oh. but i will i will i'll talk some trash on my own because i'll be at the group chat olympics and i don't think you guys should get so comfortable <laughs> no chance, <laughs> no chance. <laughs> bro <laughs> okay but 
if if we have a flying competition <laughs> well that's fair <laughs> wait 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 earnestly what do you think what do you think your best competition would be goose me oh man i'm i'm not that athletic <laughs> i'm i'm a computer programmer man. <laughs> <laughs> some some stereotypes hit home i some, guess some some of them hit home okay so we are all stereotypically uh in love with basketball let's say goose we brought you on here to do a big board or not really a big board i know you guys have big boards i don't do big boards i don't have time for all that i'm a busy guy you know but you guys we're each picking our top three candidates for the raptors selection um goose how much have you watched of the the kind of the college scene and then the film afterwards and then diving into all the bartovic queries and all that kind of stuff well, you know what? Uh, this season, I watched more than usual because <laughs> there was there wasn't a lot of hope. <laughs> so, 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 sometime in February, I was like, "Ah, oh, man, I I, I got to buckle down." So I've seen I've seen a good amount of like the top forty ish guys. Like I'm not one of those people who have like a top eighty. I don't know how people have a top eighty, but I'm definitely not one of those. But yeah, anybody that would be near pick 13, I feel like I've seen probably enough on to talk about. Hell yeah. Um, This is something I mention every podcast. Everybody who comes on here to talk about draft picks and college prospects, they know more than me because I don't really watch college for the year. So I'm going to be leaning on these guys as I often am. The first thing we're going to talk about, though, before we get into it, a quick conversation. I was at OVO Center yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Um, when Dan Tolzman was talking to media, um, talked to a few people there, Dan included, about the Raptors' strategy for the draft and kind of what they expect to do. He did mention there was a media member there who said, hey, you guys going to move up? What's the deal? What's it going to be? And so he said, like, yeah, there's there's quite a bit of consideration for this. Said that they have to be ready for mostly every range in the draft in case something comes across the table that's too good to pass up. Um, it's not exactly a letter of intent that, Hey, we're going to trade up no matter what, but it is saying like, Hey, this is something we're considering. You'd have to assume that Scoot Henderson is the radar is locked in on him. How interested are we? We'll start with you goose in trading up for Scoot Henderson. Uh, I would be very interested. Like, I don't know if you've seen that meme with the guy like slamming the credit card on. <laughs> Let's go. We wouldn't buy because uh, yeah, because Scoot Henderson, I think, is uh, a, a really special prospect, and he would be the best prospect on the team. And I don't think I can say that about any non-Scoot or Wemby player in the draft. What uh, what makes you value Scoot over a Brandon Miller, Jarris Walker, Amen Thompson, Cam Whitmore, all the guys who are kind of ranked in that I don't know three to, or two to eight range? Well, uh, we've been talking for years and I'm always like just stressing the value of just having an athletic guy that just causes the defense to, uh, sorry, (laughs) causes the defense to bend just by being able to get to the rim. And I think Scoot does that. And there's been, we can talk about that later where people have been kind of iffy on Scoot because maybe he's not getting to the rim on the stats as much as people would have liked to see but I think just watching him play, he he has every tool that you would want from uh, a guard that's an engine of an elite offense by just getting to the rim, collapsing the defense, and then making plays from there. And before we go to Trey, we'll just keep it right here. The Raptors, presumably if they get, let's say Scoot doesn't go at two. it's He's available at three. You're okay with the Pascal package? What is the What are you willing to trade to get up there? <laughs> yeah, uh yeah, I would I would be okay with a Pascal package. I think Scoot would be pretty ideal in terms of trading Pascal is that you have a guy that you can kind of can rely on to be your next franchise player. Yeah, I would be okay with Pascal. And are you hoping for Simons to come back as well? Like is the the Eric Kareen package that he proposed except it's not Simons to the Grizzlies, it's Simons to the Raptors instead of whoever else was coming from the Grizzlies, Tyus, I believe, or something like that. Yeah, this is something me and Trey disagree on. I'm very like 
lukewarm on Simons. So as long as we get like an appropriate amount of value, it's they can keep Simons if they want. I know cap wise, uh, Simons probably has to be included. And if he is, then yeah, I'm, I'm cool with him. But, you know, I have a lot of questions for him and I don't, I'm not like super excited about him as a player. I got a unique um, reply to one of my tweets today. It was about, so it's my tweet about, you know, uh, media members not having, knowing a lot about what's going on. And somebody responded and said, combo guard ethos pervades our society. Does that accurately (laughs) (laughs) capture what you're trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think uh, there's a lot to be excited about, but a lot of the details, uh, I think the idea, or let's say the idea of Simons is greater than the actuality of Simons. Handshake on that one, pal. You and I agree. (laughs) Trey, Okay, we've talked about this a little bit before, you and I, but I'd, I, you know, give us the quick summary of why you'd want to trade up. I know you want it. You've been talking about it a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, in terms of interest, 10 out of 10. I think Scoot is probably the best point guard prospect that I've, I've seen personally. That's probably going back from like Derek Rose on. Um, I think what makes him special, like he has that plus one two percentile type athleticism but he also has the craft within the mid-range around the rim that you see with someone probably in their fifth or sixth year like what separates like someone from like a De'Aaron Fox from like the average like super um, athletic guard is that they haven't been able to navigate defenses loading up on them and figure out ways to score in between Scoot has already kind of figured that out at 19 years old him playing two years in the, in the G is an outlier, and he's had great success already doing so. So, like, the transition heading into the league is obviously much easier, and you can have a greater predictor of what is going to happen. So you, you, I would feel more comfortable trading Pascal with all of that data in mind comparatively to, like, say, with Brandon Miller, and you're trying to see if what he did in college translates over to the pros. Um, what? Go ahead. So I was just going to say, I think a lot of people frame their comps around not actually how how similar players are, but typically it's like similar body styles, similar vertical pop, and then three-point percentage. Those frame exactly who gets kind of compared. And I like Scoot, what you mentioned about the craft he has, his pick and roll craft, I talked about this with Josh Codinera on the episode just about the Ignite Prospects, is far ahead of like Malachi Flynn was the best pick and roll guard in college and he was in college for years. And I would say that Scoot is a better pick and roll player than Malachi was coming out of the draft. And Scoot is much younger. Scoot has other measurables, other athletic traits that just make it way more viable for him to step into the league. And my God, it's a pick-and-roll league for guards. It doesn't have to be a pick-and-roll league for everybody. You can initiate from different ways. We've seen this with Denver. We've seen this with Sacramento. But the fact that Scoot at this at this age can come in and score for himself or playmake his teammates into buckets against any pick-and-roll coverage is incredible. He shoots 27.7% from three. He shot 38% on his mid-range his long mid-range pull-ups he shoots 74 percent from the line i don't think he's like a i don't think he's a terrible prospect as far as it is shooting he's got big hands you have to figure stuff out as a shooter when you have big hands but i trust in him he's really fantastic and it actually surprised me a little that you said he's the best guard prospect since rose that's a lot oh i i I think i think he is um, in terms of driving, he's way ahead of all of those prospects just because he's a massive human being. He has the frame to take on contact and finish in the lane. Even in the games you saw with with Wemby, he was able to either use strength or use his craft to bend around someone who's literally a skyscraper. Inside so hand lay merchant. <laughs> as James would say. So I don't, I don't, yeah, sorry, my bad. I don't know if uh, if the the people who listen to the pod are familiar with his work, but I, I'll just summarize. It's polar. Uh, he's a uh, he's a very 
great account to follow on Twitter. Uh, he's a, he's like a doctor actually. <laughs> and he's like very into biomechanics and he's seen a lot of basketball. And for him, I think what got me really excited was the way he was talking about, I can't break down biomechanics like Polar can obviously, but he was talking about the way that Scoot is able to adjust like the angles of his body. Like he hasn't seen anyone do that as well as Dwayne Wade. And so when we're talking about driving and like, is getting into the defense like that's the level of player you're talking about is Dwayne Wade, uh, Derek Rose, uh, like it's pretty special stuff. Yeah, and just to to hit home on the polar thing, I co-wrote an article about Scotty Barnes biomechanics. Polar watched like six Scotty Barnes games, figured out a lot of the things that would be inherent advantages for him. Um, a lot of the, it was written within the first two weeks of Scotty's NBA career. A lot of this stuff based on the biomechanics is borne out. And Polar not only is an MD in Korea, but also works in relation to biomechanics with professional sports players. So he, he his insights are invaluable. Obviously, myself and Goose, we can't relay just yeah. how important it is to this audience. <laughs> but just know there's cool, unique stuff going on. Yes. Trey, uh, you have thoughts still. Simons, I, I think you guys are completely off on. <laughs> Just considering the fact that if you do are doing this trade, you're getting you're making your team worse, obviously, with not having a pick next year. You're you're going to need to have someone, A, who can shoot the ball and two generate enough offense to make the other like the younger pieces like more tenable. Or and the Jakob and Scotty potential combination as well. Simons has already done that. The numbers without Dame are tremendous. As much as it could be seven games, it could be eight games. The numbers are <laughs> the numbers are tremendous. And having him on the team is going to lead to more wins, better running offense, and he fits the style that Darko wants to play. So I think it would be interesting. I think shooting is good. Gary Trent Jr. just accepted his player option. Uh I would be interested to see what that would look like if they if if the Raptors who knows what you know what direction they take but if we ever have like a two guard lineup with Simons and Gary Trent Jr. out there I think that'd be uh that could have be some, some it'd be something <laughs> that could have some stuff fun. going on um you guys want to go to big boards you guys want to trade up sounds like yeah. Yeah. yes 10. absolutely you I'm guessing wouldn't trade up for Miller Goose, or would you? Uh, I would be way less excited about Miller. I might still do it because I think the Raptors just kind of need to pick a direction. And like the way the cap and like contracts are working out, uh, getting Miller for Pascal and like all the other Blazer stuff would still, would still be a win. But in terms of like getting a prospect i don't think miller is like a franchise player prospect like scoot henderson is okay trey does uh brandon miller excite you i, I like brandon miller i i think i would but it, it's far more risky like brandon miller hasn't shown the level of ability to be like a primary on an offense um he has some struggles with his burst and getting downhill and when he does get downhill obviously like finishing over players he i think he hit around fi- high 50s around the rim and given that he's 69 percent percent. was that half court yeah half court 39 oh, okay, that makes more sense all right given that he's 69 610 that's that's pretty concerning but also yeah. wait people of that size wait, wait. Yes. Good or bad when he said that Paul George is the greatest of all time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is a win in my books, friends. I, I respect it. It sounds like he, he wants to be a Charlotte Hornet. That's all I was saying. <laughs> hey, man, he reads minute basketball. That's the only thing I can derive from that. He's a minute basketball <laughs> subscriber. He appreciates screen navigation. Yeah, that's right. Stab step merchant. Exactly. I think he's going to be a good player, though. He can play off the ball. He's shown yes. that really well. He relocates. And people of that size shouldn't be able to shoot off the move and dribble the ball like that. So, like, there is upside for him to be an all-star player. So, I, would, I wouldn't I would be opposed to it, considering where the Raptors are, both, like, cap-wise as well as, like, direction. Okay. Big board. Let's get into it. 
when I was at the OVO Center, every single media member, I would like eight different people asked me, except Mike Ganter of the Toronto Sun. Mike Ganter gave me a free beanie. He said, hey, I, you're a guy who wears these. My The school has given them out. Here's one. So I got a free beanie. But everyone else asked me, who do you want at 13? I said, God, I don't know. But I had to figure it out to some degree who I want because I don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to fall. So we have our top three picks. Hopefully one of our three is available so I can get one of you, you know, schmoes to talk to me on draft night when we're doing the live podcast. Fingers crossed because we can't get Mac in there for when Keontae George obviously gets picked. <laughs> um, we're going to start with you, Trey. Who's who's the ideal, the 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 platonic ideal for Trey at 13? For, for my agenda purposes and for me to get hired by a prospecting team, I'm going to say Bilal Koulibaly. Um, simply from the fact that you're getting, and we've already uh, reiterated some of this, but you're getting a prospect who's shown the ability to uh, mirror what high-level role players are doing, but also has like the athletic pop to signal that he, there is star potential. Anytime that he got more creation touches, whether that was on the B team or when he started to transition and get more minutes on the A team with Wemby, he excelled. He played he played crucial minutes in their playoff run. And having someone in in the Raptors organization who's predicated on length, he's six eight, seven two wingspan, um, with length, size, and defense, he's gonna get minutes right away. He's gonna be able to get more time and get more touches in this free flow offense and um if he hits you're you're getting uh a, a perfect sense of like a player where you're getting um a guy can create with that level of size who will be able to ideally create for other people around him given his um athletic ability to bend the defense okay so why do we think he's rising because when you and i talked about him yeah. he was mocked at like late first early second Gen- genuinely, this guy was not. I know, like Rafael Barlow has had been talking about Koulibaly for quite some time, but is it that the NBA playoffs ended and then everybody finally is like, okay, I'll watch some French league games? Is it that people finally started clicking on the highlights? What do we think is actually motivating a guy to jump into? I guess having a lottery promise now, like that is a that's a meaningful jump. Yeah, that's almost as high a jump into the top of the draft is like Perry Jones from five to 28 back in what, 2013 or whatever it was. I I think it's a combination, obviously like the playoffs ending. And then also initially a lot of the praise was based on his work on the B team. He was their central hub there. He was scoring a, a million points there and a, he got more on, he was played more games with the A team and everybody is watching Wemby. So through osmosis, he's going to get those same eyes. And then also Met 92 just won way more games than anyone expected. They made a much deeper run in the playoffs, and he was a big part of it. And he played great defense. He hit open shots, and everybody is looking for that six. Everyone's looking for OG, the six, the six eight guy <laughs> who could hit, hit shots, dunk the basketball, and play defense. And he has some of those exact tools. So it's it's very rare. So with a draft like this where like the talent is kind of flat maybe after like the first 8 or 9 guys swinging on someone with those measurables isn't crazy to me that makes sense goose who are you trying to get 13 who's the who's the white whale uh, speaking of white uh grady dick <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I think Grady Dick would be uh, would be perfect, really, for uh, what the Raptors are trying to do, especially after that we after we hired Darko and like hearing him talk about his philosophy a little bit more, just in terms of focusing more on being unselfish and just having uh, like more players touching the ball and like more ball movement. Like Grady Dick is probably the best off ball prospect, like in a while. Like I don't know since who, but like. In terms of being impactful without eating up a lot of touches, there's not a lot that he doesn't do. Like, you know, obviously he's he's uh, everyone knows that he's a great shooter, but besides that, he also crashes the glass. Like, he's a very impressive passer. Like, his assists won't jump out at you, like stats wise, but 
if you watch him make these passes, it's like the way that he's able to instantly recognize the advantage and just be able to move and find like a cutter or like somebody at the rim or uh, a relocating shooter. And I think that's the kind of like supporting piece that can really just take an offense to the next level. I find him to be so impressive. It's movement shooting. It's the interplay of, you know, utilizing how you're shooting makes the defense respond as a cutter. And then also, as you mentioned, a lot of the passing reads, because if somebody shoots the gap on a pin down or something like that, the ball comes back and he backpedals into space or he back cuts, there's going to be a response from the defense taking away the now driving lane that he has. And he's so good if it's backpedaling off the pin down, taking a couple dribbles to survey or without putting a dribble down, catching on the move on that back cut and then making that read out. Maybe it's to a guy coming down the lane, a 45 cut opposite of him. Maybe it's spraying to the opposite corner. Maybe it's like back out above the break. Wherever the read is, he's a very capable decision maker. And that paired with passing is really, really important. I know people think like a shooter is a shooter and shooters don't often do other things unless they're stars. But I I agree with you 100%. Just the fact that he's able to combine those aspects of the game. Really impressive. The off-ball defense is a lot more tenable, you know, despite his middling to mediocre athleticism as far as the measurables like cone time sprint speed like agility and speed he's not really a he's not passing anything with flying colors there but if you're heady on defense you pay really close attention to what's happening and have a good read for how offensive players make their decisions um you can you can make a difference if you're like six foot six and above uh we've seen tobias harris Maybe this is the guy I point to most often have strong defensive playoff performances because of his size and, you know, just being able to take up space and not and not gamble and just make sure that you like you're really reliable in your quadrant of the floor is really, really important. And I think Grady does that. And as I've said before, Josh Codonera, this guy said he expected Grady to be one of the five best players from the class, however many years down the road. That means something to me. Josh is the best doing it. Grady, Love I went, I, yes, I went long-winded nope. because Grady is number one on my hopes and dreams for uh, the Raptors as well. Not only because uh, he's fantastic, but, and you know, when we talked to Dan's, Dan Tolzman yesterday, he said that the Raptors don't let the existing roster impact what they're trying to do. But still, Grady is a guy who fits the team, whether they go run it back or they completely shake things up and get younger, etc. Trey, any thoughts on Grady before uh, you give us the, or before I go to Goose for his number two? Um, the only thing I will say is that I I put everyone on to to Grady. <laughs> Everything you liked, I liked five years ago. <laughs> T-shirt, uh, Goose. You wrote an article about him. I'm assuming he's your number two. I want to hand this off to you because I don't want anybody else to steal the thunder. If he isn't, I mean, go ahead. But who's your number two on the big board? Kobe. <laughs> Kobe Bufkin. Yeah. Uh, I might have started the hype train for him on Raptors Twitter. So, and like Kobe now is also similar to Bilal where he just uh, ended up rising a lot. Like in like, when the tournament ended, like he was in the twenties and now he's like a lock for lottery and you have Woj on TV saying that he might go top 10. So Kobe, if you're watching this, I I expect, I expect (laughs) some sort of compensation for that. You're welcome. Uh, uh, I know you've already done like a long form dive on him. So I just gotta hit the basics of just, uh, you know, there's not a lot that Kobe doesn't do. And I think just, him being like the six five combo guard that's kind of good at everything is kind of like exactly what the Raptors could use next to Scotty. Like, and there's like the thing with him is that a lot of the stuff that if you buy his skills, he has like a baseline for just like everything. Like he's a good defender, he's a good passer, the shooting, uh the shooting, everything is looking good there long term. Uh, he's not a great isolation player yet, but he has his moments. He's able to get to the rim. He has like these uh, 
like Darren Fox type possessions where he can kind of like zigzag into these like crazy finishes at the rim. And like for him, it's just buying that, okay, that we get this like really skinny kid and then we work on his skills just a little bit and, you know, we strengthen him up and like we might have like a, a starter or a better. I'll say for friend Nabil, he shares the same agent as Shea Gilgis Alexander. <laughs> just so that's out there. That means, you know, how I said, you know, Josh saying top five, that means something to me. That that means something to Nabil. He's all constantly tracking the the shared agents and the, how those relationships uh, uh, create uh, synergy, et cetera. Trey, any thoughts on Kobe and your number two on the big yeah. board, whoever that is? Um, Kobe is probably one of the prospects I'm I'm really bullish on. Goose Goose put me on. Um, he he's um, when you're thinking of the offense that Darko's creating, you are gonna want guards. If Scotty's going to be the central hub in their offense, you're gonna want a guard who's gonna be able to be play off of him off the ball with movement relocations, be able to grab handoffs off of him, and then use their ability to to knife their way between the defense. I think a lot of his strengths will probably bode well with what the offense is going to do. And then some of the things that Scotty doesn't do well, he'll be able to make up a lot of those things. And if he does hit be a plus starter, I, I had him on my big board as potential all-star because I, it's very rare to have a guard who, who without super bursts get to the rim as much as he did. A note for the listener, based on what I've heard, both Kobe and Grady have had two workouts with the Raptors. Uh, Dan Tolzman said <laughs> Dan Tolzman said they had uh, around 20 workouts. Uh, I believe very strongly that Kobe and Grady are at the very least in that number. And I believe that they've each done two workouts. So we're in the vicinity. We're circling. Uh, who is your who's your number two? Um, Case and Wallace from Kentucky. Yeah. Um, when you think of like the Ra- a Raptors guard of the last few years, he fits he fits the bold, the mold. This is the bold, the mold. Hey, hey. He's an <laughs> in theory player, an in theory player, in theory player. Yeah, but he's he's a, a defender that um, works. I think best probably off the ball. He creates tons of havoc, and similar to Fred, when he gets into the nail, he has hands that um, usually jars the ball from bigger players than him. And um, has the ability to accelerate within transition and score fairly well. I don't necessarily see um, on-ball creation being um, a focal point of his offense, but I do believe his shot is going to is going to translate. I think some of the numbers. I believe the last ten games or so, he shot the ball horrendously. But for the before two thirds of the season, he was shooting forty percent from from the field, from from three. And I think that's going to bode well into maybe not a a plus shooter, but someone that you're going to need to guard. And he's already shown that he can hit those long twos, hit a pull-up jumper where they is going to be a real threat in the playoffs. I, I would call him like, I haven't, I wouldn't call, claim this term, but I think he's a championship type of player. He's a, <laughs> he's a player that you, that could be a starter on a very good team. You love these little catchphrases. It's almost <laughs> as if you're in marketing. I swear. <laughs> um, just as like Kaysen was 35 for 100 on his catch and shoot threes, I think he was like 34. We have the numbers on the podcast we did, obviously. But if I'm remembering correctly, I think he was like 33 or 34% on his pull ups from three. He's just like, the shot is going to be there. He is a hellcat uh, off the ball defensively, and he's not bad on ball either. And uh, that means that's, that's really impressive. He's a very impressive guard. And I saw some people talking about this. This was something I noticed. There's a lot of unassisted looks at the rim for Cason Wallace. Now, that doesn't mean he's a kingmaker of a shot creator or anything like that, but it's meaningful. The more unassisted you get, it means the less reliant you are on external factors. That's a super big deal. That's probably why a lot of teams are looking at Pascal Siakam like, wow, if we could just give that guy easy shots, I wonder how that looks. Um, number two on my big board. I'm going to say it because I need this guy represented on this podcast in the, what, 12 hours it's live before the Raptors make their pick. Keontae George 
This, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing it for Max. <laughs> okay, he's not even necessarily on my big board, but obviously Max said he's getting picked, so he's going to the Raptors. He he predicted Coloco. He predicted Scotty. Scotty, sure, some people did. Coloco, get the hell out of here, you freak! I can't believe you did such a thing. Um, Mac gave the sell last podcast episode we did, but Keontae is a rare mix of a lot of the burgeoning skills that you want in a combo guard. Yes, uh, the the problem of the combo guard does pervade society. <laughs> that is true. But Keontae, as Max spelled out, is an extremely competitive player who has played and been the alpha dog at many different levels. Mac was at his fourth grade graduation. He watched him at the three-on-three tournament for USA. He's seen it all, and I trust that guy's judgment. If anybody's noticing a trend here where I'm just relaying what smarter people than me have said, Hey, I watch the Raptors. I'm just here to tell you what the scouts say. That's I'm I'm the medium. I'm the platform. Uh, so I'm going to say Keontae George. And I know a lot of people on Raptors Twitter like him. A lot of people in the Raptors fandom like him. And there's a reason that he's hanging around the, you know, the back end of the lottery. There's a reason that the Lakers are trying to trade up reportedly to get him is because he is a guy who I feel pretty strongly about the floor. And if some of the stuff like the shooting pops off at NBA range, the movement shooting translates the way that it's supposed to. And then like the pull up three is something because he's already showcasing touch with movement off balance, this kind of stuff. Then the pull up three comes along. He becomes super, super interesting as a player and as a prospect. So Keontae at number two, anybody want to fight me about that opinion? Do you guys dislike or like Keontae? It's not uh, my opinion. It's max anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I would I would say I'm pretty I'm pretty lukewarm on Keontae. Like I can if the Raptors took him, I'd be fine with it, but I feel like there's probably better players there. What's, just what's the what's the downside? Yeah. The downside is I, I don't think the defense is good or like offensively, like I know some people call him the best shooter in the draft, but the results really haven't been there. Uh like he's a good shooter, obviously, but I don't. I'm not really buying him as like this creator. So more or less, you're ending up with like, I don't know, like a slightly taller Gary, <laughs> and it's like <laughs> that's that's a good player. And like Keontae has some like passing stuff that Gary doesn't. But in terms of value for the 13th pick, I I, I feel like you can probably do better than that. Okay, let's do better with your number three. Who's the guy? Well, I, I know I just poo-pooed uh, Keontae's defense, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Bryce, Bryce Sensible, which... <laughs> he's you know, special, man. He is, he's he's, he's the only prospect we discussed that's been kind of falling, actually. Yeah. A lot of the guys we picked to, to talk about were like, oh, we like these guys. Turns out we're not so special. Everybody seems to like them. But um, Bryce, yeah, keep go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, so the pitch with him is that he's just really, really good at putting the ball in the basket. And, like, at the end of the day, that's probably the most important skill you can have is just being cool. able to do that. Over here. <laughs> so that's what Bill Russell said. <laughs> that, that, that's what Bill Russell said, exactly. You can't argue with the guy with that many rings. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's like just a special, special scorer. Uh, a lot of it on, like, extremely tough looks, like, He's taking like contested, uh, contested jumpers, like a lot of them. He didn't get a lot at the rim. I think there's some stuff there. Like there were a couple of drives there where you can say, okay, I can see him doing that better. But yeah, the thing with him is like he's taking, he's taking Kevin Durant shots <laughs> and converting at a Kevin Durant rate, which is really special. He that that was the thing that I wonder how he progresses because he reached basically the pinnacle of college jump shooting like you you you've got in jordan hawkins is one of the best shooting prospects to come out of the draft over the past five years really like the way he sprints off ball gets into space but as far as like shot creation sensibo over as far as a guy creating his own looks off the jumper is basically like one of the guys of the past five years you you do your query, you look it up, then you go to the tape and see the, the the makes and the looks that he's taking, and you're like, what the hell? This guy converts everything. It's always pump left, a guy with the hand directly in the face, 17-footer, bucket, then six more times that game. And you wonder like how that correlates at the NBA level to being 
you know, kind of a machine for free throws and then taking that buffer or like that side swipe contest that people will start doing naturally and kind of playing that into, you know, that, that pivot, that push shot, or maybe keeping a live dribble, hovering the hand, using it as like a really nice hezzy to get downhill. Like how can he build the rest of his game off of his already, what would probably be like at the very least good NBA level skill as a mid range shot maker. And that's all up in the air, but he already did the hardest part. So you wonder like, how does he fill out his game as a scorer on the other, with the other stuff? And I, I believe it. I like Bryce. He's not three on my big board, but I do like him a lot more than the like, what early twenties that he's now kind of being yeah. mocked at. Yeah. Um, and he's also big guy. He's there's hit. some there's some unique aspects to how you can utilize these guys defensively. Harden was a better defender in a team concept than people thought for quite a few years because he was so good on these you know non traditional switches because he's so beefy and hangs in. Um, Sensibo is also a guy who I think very clearly will be able to do that stuff. Just yeah. um, don't leave him out to dry on the outside. And caring more in a team concept will be imperative to his career. But if you're not going to hope that a guy will care about basketball when he gets to the NBA, I mean, what are we really doing? Trey, yeah. Sensibo? Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan. While I don't think he, he'll probably hit those, like that peak level of scoring like in the league, just simply because he's going to be facing a longer quicker athletes i do think he's going to have more success than those um big time microwave scores like you saw in college like uh marcus howard who was hitting shots like that at that level but he was also Hawkins. 20... <laughs> <laughs> he was like 22 23 but um bryce the major difference with bryce is just the size i think if he leans in more into the into the beef and uses that more to create separation, that will give him enough daylight where his shooting talent will show out. And ideally, he becomes at least neutral on defense where he's a serious weapon off of a primary that draws a lot of attention like with his gravity because he's such a talented shooter. Before we get into the rest of the threes, I'm curious, what, what kind of impact over the first seven years the rookie scale and then the extension are you guys from the 13th pick let's just pretend it's like a you know it's it's a vague gray guy he doesn't have anything we're just talking about accolades what do you want is this like a one all one all-star trip do you want goose to see his thing go up in a darko graph like what's the you know what do you guys want from this i, I think, I think- Go ahead. Both here. I like that. Good question. <laughs> Go ahead, Goose. Yeah, I I think at at that point in the draft, you should be happy with a starter or like a big rotation player. Like I think it's asking a lot for someone drafted thirteenth. And I know there's a lot of guys who've managed to break out and become stars, but it's it's asking a lot for to expect that guy to be an all star. So a uh, high impact or just a starter? Just a starter. Yeah. Just like a. Mo Wagner, maybe a bit. Okay, maybe, okay. <laughs> as, as, <laughs> maybe a little. Uh, maybe an actual like good starter. Okay, good starter. <laughs> that makes sense. Trey, number three on the big board. Um, number three for me is Jordan Hawkins. Um, when you think about him, he's the best shooter in the draft. He has a level of shooting where the defense has to make a concerted effort to off the ball to try to stop him from getting clean catches. That's how good of a shooter he is. With You see that with players on the Warriors where an off-ball player with that level of shooting just creates so much havoc for team defense that it opens up the game for other people. The Raptors have never had a player of, of that level. Don't have many players that can shoot at all. But... Um, I think he would be a really good fit in the sense that if you're believing in Scotty being a hub and being able to, and say more open floor, get more rim touches, he's going to be able to convert on a lot of the passes that Scotty makes. Scotty is probably one of the best passers we've seen coming out of the draft the last few years. So I think they would be a really good match. And 
comparatively to other big time shooters, I could I think Hawkins is going to be able to defend his position well enough to not get picked on. Goose told me before Scotty got drafted that he was one of the best, if not the best, big man passers to come out of the draft in the past decade. I said <laughs> I hadn't watched anything yet. And then I've made my bones doing these deep dives on how great a passer Scotty is. <laughs> so I'm curious, um, how do you rank Jordan Hawkins as a shooter, Goose, over the past however long coming out of the draft? Uh, I would say he's up there, but I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't know if he. I would say he's like the best shooter in this draft. But if who's the best shooter? Well, I th- I would say it's either Grady or Bryce. But that's fair. that's because yeah. Because I think with Jordan is uh he's not like he wasn't great at, like relocating and I think that's part of uh that's something that really does matter is that when you're not getting these uh like these motion shooting actions run for you is how are you able to get your shots and I think in terms of doing that that I don't think Hawkins did that quite well and then at his size I feel like. Just being like six five versus like Grady being like I don't know six seven or six eight, just being able to find him as a target, I feel like that would be higher. And for Bryce, I think the argument is just like the difficulty of looks. Like motion shots are hard, but the kind of shooting that Bryce did, I would say, is much harder. It's yeah, Bryce is really really impressive. My third guy, Kaysen. I like Kaysen a lot. We already went over the Kaysen pitch, the whole deal. Um, so we can stick with that there. I want to mention something about Kaysen. Yeah. That that we yeah, haven't had on. that we haven't had in in a long time. It's just a guard who's like really good at floaters. And I feel like people don't don't talk first. <laughs> I hey, Fred's floater got a little better. Uh, he is not good. You can hit a floater now. I've I've I fell for like the first time that there was a Fred Van Floater workout video and I was like this this is the year this is the year it happened. it's never happened. They did the the Scotty thing where they speed up his mechanics. It was like, yeah. whoa, he's just got a really fast pull, you know. Do you guys remember that summer where like Abir Johnson was just posting clips of him just banging <laughs> summer three back? Summer yeah. three. Oh man, I was so ready that season. Man. Really? Ooh. Uh I want to get Amir Johnson on the podcast. He, there's an unopened Instagram message from me just waiting there. Amir, please talk to me about basketball. I have to like find his agent. I'll talk to Nabil about finding his agent or something like that. But um, Amir Johnson. Ooh, do we want 13 to be better or worse than Amir? Like, do you think they'll be better than Amir Johnson was? I, I hope so. I, Amir was way better than people thought. Like he wasn't healthy, but when he played, if he played now, I think would have James would claim he's the best power forward in the league or something like that. Better than Cat, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I, I think it's just especially how like resource tap the Raptors are currently. If they're keeping this team together, the player the player that they pick needs to be a hit and needs to be probably like hit like an eighty percentile outcome for the group to be viable. I have a question. Do you do you think it's important for whoever they draft to be able to contribute their first year? No. For me, no. That yeah, because I'll... like if they are running it back and they think like, oh well if we do run it back, we're gonna need number thirteen to be good, then shut up. Don't do that. Like the <laughs> run it back is not good enough if <laughs> contingent yeah. on number thirteen like a rookie. So I just want them to get a guy who you look at like the end of the rookie scale contract. You're like, damn, this is nice. Um, like Scotty winning rookie of the year was really great for him, but it didn't really matter, right? Like as long as Scotty is by the time he gets to extension, like a really strong player. And then he's like, you know, an all-star level player during his, you know, his first extension, which maybe it's a max, maybe it isn't. I don't know. As long as that stuff is happening, then that's what a pick is good for. You know, there's a, Cautionary tales about Michael Carter Williams, for example, out there. But no, like a, an impactful rookie is good. It's better than not. But I don't think it's, I don't think that's um, super, super important. And yeah, like shut up. Don't do that then. That's <laughs> what you need. Do something different. Yeah. Like if, if they pick like Hawkins, I would be like, oh, like they think they're going to be really good this year. 
Oh, you think you're nice? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You got a list of, I think it ended up being what, seven guys we talked about because of yeah. shared lists. Pretty good. We've talked about all those guys on this podcast before. Hey, I hope you enjoyed it. Any uh, thing to say before we get out of here, fellas? Goose, we'll start with you. Do we do we do we want to talk about the Atlanta trade? Okay, yeah, go ahead. I know you want to talk about you. Like, I yeah, argued about, about this for like forty eight hours. You guys are so he was... sick, by the way. <laughs> You're just sending like a like eighteen different variations of the same thing, and I'm just like, do you guys really want Dejounte Murray? Like Dejounte's fine if you're adding, but like, wouldn't that be depressing? It would be very bad basketball. Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't that be it depressing? Would... Okay, but De- Dejounte is just like he's just a salary. Like he's he's no, he's player. not. He's a <laughs> human like... being. <laughs> I'm just sh- sh- yeah, high road after saying he's you <laughs> yeah. know. <laughs> you said he would be depressing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, go okay, ahead. Okay, well, the my pitch for the trade is that. It needs AJ Griffin because I had AJ Griffin as a top five pick last year, and I probably would have had him as a top five pick this year. So in my eyes, AJ Griffin and Brandon Miller are kind of just like pretty similar in terms of value. And AJ is so, younger. Is AJ 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 is a year younger than Brandon. Yeah, yep. like a and full he's year. already he's he, yeah a full year. Well, I don't know if it's like twelve months, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, AJ AJ is a full year younger than Brandon. Uh, he's shown a lot of craft inside the arc, which we've yet to see from Brandon. Maybe I'll add that in the NBA. Uh, I think he's a better shooter than Brandon is, which is saying a lot because Brandon is a really good shooter. But AJ just set like, I think he's like number one like ever at, for a teenager. So effective field goal percentage. Yes, it, it's a little fad, youngie, but <laughs> it is. Who else was there? Was like somebody really weird on that list. Like it wasn't Darius Baisley, but it's like a weird, you know, like twin. I'd have to pull it up. Yeah, it's, it's a little, it's a little sad, youngie. But you see, and you know, he has a little game winner in Toronto already. Uh, his dad used to coach here. <laughs> uh, if you go back and look at how AJ played in high school and how athletic he was, if he's able to get back to that, like at all, like. I don't know. It could be. It could be really special, but it wouldn't just be AJ. Like on top of that, you get other prospects. Like I know, like uh, one of you guys might be a big Onyeka fan, uh, Onyeka Kongu, and you know you get like the fifteenth pick, and like you know you're not getting like a big splashy name for Pascal, but in in terms of restocking the cupboard, I feel like that's as good as it gets, really. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I like. I do. I do think a lot of people underrate. Uh, Griffin, for what it's worth, he not only do, did Raptors fans get to see a guy who like those were some impressive games that he played like that. You want to talk about a guy who hits a floater? I'm sure a lot of people have that like behind yeah. the back split into the floater in overtime. Um, he and he shoots the hell out of the ball. He's very impressive. Yeah. Um, it's just because he's not like he didn't get all the playing time. He didn't get a lot yeah. of coverage, and he didn't have like posters. It's just like a guy who's quietly making a bunch of shots, making a lot of good reads, attacking the top foot and closeouts and stuff like that. But yeah, he's pretty slick, I guess. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to give an answer. Trey, what do you think? <laughs> Atlanta. Um, it's not it's not my preferred choice, but nice. I think would I think it would be fine. Just like with if you if you get AJ and Okongu, you're creating a lineup that would be able to support Scotty defensively while still being able to have enough spacing for it to, for it to work. Just having AJ and OGS like your pillars off the wing of say Scotty mid post action is pretty pretty deadly. And Okongu has enough um, passing feel where I think him and Scotty would make it work as well. And he's shown a little touch from mid range, so it. It, it's it's a viable trade. Right. God, <laughs> I'm just like I get it, but like I'm imagining like Boucher is like not that you make decisions with Boucher in mm. mind, but I'm just thinking about the front court dudes like wait Jakob, Onyeka, Scotty, Coloco, Precious, yeah. Boucher. What the hell, man? Build a normal team for once, please. That's that's my reaction. I like Griffin. I like Onyeka. Introducing another big 
and be it albeit an undersized big to that i'm just like oh my god dude um yeah how, how about run it back we you know we'll do an hour-long podcast how run it back team run it back any of you huh you out there if 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 we if we're to believe like a really flawed net rating sample we can <laughs> we, we can buy it we can say oh man that bulls game was just bad luck uh DR DeRozan's not walking through that door again. <laughs> you know what it is, though? is I think that the net rating is somewhat flawed, but also that, you know, you have to have good team composition so that, like, your net rating translates to different units and lineups and stuff like that. But also, what they were 15 and 11, was that, like, a 47-win pace? Yeah, that like isn't that. crazy. And you can run it back for 47 wins. Surely you can. But it's still like, and I did this, I wrote that piece comparing 2013 and 2023. And there are similarities in that they'd be going into the season, probably over the luxury tax. They would have a route to trade under the luxury tax if they so choose and recoup assets during the season. But like, I don't know. OG is older than DeMar was at that point in time. You know, Fred is older than Rudy was at that point in time. Pascal is older than Kyle was at that point in time. All of them by like two years, two or three years. And infinitely, you know, it was like 64% of next year's cap will be taken up by those three. Whereas in 2013-14, I think 56% was taken up by Rudy, Kyle, and... uh, and Demar, and then they traded away thirty percent of that fifty-six, and it ended up being then like hardly the team was like a bunch of you know these super easy contracts. John Salmons became Lou Williams and Lucas Nagara. This, this is not that NBA anymore. You can't trade Grievous Vasquez and Andre Bargnani together for two first-round picks and a second rounder that become Jakob Pertl, OG Ananobi, and Norm Powell. What the hell, you know? Yeah. What was Masai was cooking, man? <laughs> Masai cooked for longer than Walter White. I mean, he was like, <laughs> man, looking back on that run as decision makers, front office, yeah. that was crazy. Andrea Bargnani, Il Marjo, Primo Pastensas, a ninth overall pick for that guy. Are you nuts? Yeah. And then, yeah, obviously, OG, that's not usually what you get at 23 in draft. You you don't usually get a Norm Powell of forty six, but what the hell, man? If they had a run like that again, I don't even know. But I don't know if that's out there right now. Teams are smarter on the whole. Yeah, I did a tangent. Somebody else. Uh, for me, just considering considering that they've already tried multiple times and have doubled down already, giving up like serious draft capital and it not working out. I don't think it's – I think it's malpractice to run back this the exact same team, even considering also that you have Scotty, who with the trade that you made affected his game and took away possessions where he was starting to thrive. I don't think it makes sense to run back a team that's going to be expensive and has proven that they're not good enough to contend. I'll say something that you like, Trey. So the 2013-14 team – was coming off a year where they didn't have their first round draft pick. So was the 2022-23 team or whatever, or the 2023 team. Yeah. Um, one of those first rounders with Gary Forbes became Kyle Lowry, who, as you've heard, is pretty good. The other became Thaddeus Young. <laughs> I just want to remind you of that fact, since I know oh, you're very wow. fond of that trade. Man, yeah, can't win them all. I got blocked by Thad Young's wife on Twitter for that trade. I didn't even I didn't even say anything crazy. I was just What'd you say? I, I, I don't know what I said exactly. You probably put a Darko graph. That's probably what you did. <laughs> I, I, I don't say mean things on the TL. So. That's true. Yeah. If I can if I can vouch, I've actually never seen Goose say something that would be like block worthy. Same yeah. with me. If I'm blocked, it's somebody on the other side is having like they got something going on. I think that's the same thing with you, Goose. Trey, on the other hand, George Niang, <laughs> he put out a hitman on that. 
for the you, points per game threshold to talk to. <laughs> uh, okay, so it sounds like you guys aren't that interested in running back. It may very well happen. I would be interested in running it back for the sole reason of doing another year of this podcast with Trey. See if they can bring a smile back. Something I'm into. Goose, before we get out of here, anything you want to say? Uh, no, not particularly. Uh, everybody come to the RR draft party and meet Samson and his giant mic. Yeah, I'll bring, I'll bring this. Hey, I'll just swing it around at people. <laughs> Got a duck under it. Trey, uh, anything from you? No, I'm just excited. I'm going to see a celebrity at work with all his fans and and, and fame and, and an internet celebrity in Goose himself. July 2nd. I'm looking at you, buddy. It's over. I'm training. I am doing like, I'm out there. I'm wearing like retention bands. I don't know what they're called. Is that what they're called? And I'm going like high knees. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm getting knee, like leg implants to get my stride length longer. I'm coming for you. You better believe it. Okay. Uh, that's a nice way to end a podcast, surely. Hey, we talked about basketball. We hope you enjoyed it. From myself, from Trey, from Goose, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully we see you by the time you're listening to this tonight. Hopefully the Raptors draft the person that you want. And uh, come tell us about it at the podcast party. And if you're listening to this after the draft, because they drafted somebody we talked about, hey, cool. Hi in the future. Okay, if you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and... Goodbye.